Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. And a very good Thursday morning to you. And let me start by saying it's good to be back. And more than anything, it's good to feel well uh, as I sit back into the the chair. My thanks to uh, John Paul, who has been filling in for the last week and a half, and to Sadie and Bernie, who were acting as backup and helping out uh, John Paul. And they had some very, very busy programmes over the last uh, week and a half uh, since I have been unwell. But glad to report that I am okay, and I didn't have uh, COVID-19 although I did have to go for a coronavirus test because I became very unwell very quickly. Do you know the way all of a sudden you're plodding along, everything's going fine and and all of a sudden I started to feel very unwell. So I I didn't have any of the classic symptoms of COVID-19 in that I didn't have a cough, I didn't have shortness of breath, but I did have a kind of a scratchy throat, did have a bit of a headache. I had a very upset stomach, I think, more than anything else. But more than anything, I just felt exhausted. I just, my energy levels were through the floor and it all came on uh, very quickly. So I did, as we are told to do, I rang my GP I was put through to a nurse who triaged me over the phone and said, yeah, it does look like you need to be seen by a doctor. She was querying COVID-19 at that stage. So you don't go into the general practice. You don't go into the waiting room, obviously. I got a time slot for the following day. I was told to go. It was almost like into a pod. I had to wait outside, was given a text message to say it's your turn uh, to, to come in. There was a woman ahead of me. I was next and I went into the wonderful, anyone who goes to the Cork Road Clinic in Mallow will know the wonderful Dr Giovanni, who, bless his heart, lost his brother to COVID-19. His brother died initially at the start of uh, COVID-19. So I was very aware of that as he was examining me and he checked my chest and lungs to see how, how, what, what was going on. Um, and he, his, his, his gut instinct was that I didn't have it. 
but that I did have some of the symptoms. But obviously, because I'm a full time carer for my special needs daughter, Marsha, he said, I've no other choice. I have to put you forward for uh, a test. So within, I would say, um, two hours, I had a test date for the following day. So I had to go to the Cork Race Course in Mallow, which is where there's like a drive through COVID-19 testing. So, you know, you stay in the car and all of that. So I had a time slot for the following day, uh, headed out, um, was dreading the test. I'll be the first one to say was dreading the test because I'd heard so much about the nose swab. The throat one wasn't putting me off. But the one up the nose, I'd heard the most awful things about it and it's horrendous and it's dreadful and you'll be in agony and all of this. So I was kind of dreading it. So off I went to out to the test centre. It's very, very efficiently ran, I have to say. You know, you went, spoke to a nurse, she confirmed my details, did the paperwork, put the paperwork under the windscreen of my car. So there was, she, you know, I wasn't touching paperwork that I would pass on to somebody else. I then had to drive straight forward in under like a, a, an awning, like a tent. Lovely nurse there called Owen who dealt with me uh, very efficiently and very professionally. Lovely, lovely guy. And he did my throat swab first. And then I, he was said, and I said, oh, I'm dreading this part, the nose swab. And he said, no, honestly, he said, the throat one is worse than the nose one. And I'd already done the throat one at this stage. And I have to say, it was a couple of seconds. It's a little bit uncomfortable. I will say that. But nothing like what I thought it was going to be. I thought there would be tears streaming out of my eyes that it was going to be so bad. So that was it. Home I went and he just confirmed that he had the right mobile phone number for me, told me to go home and isolate and that I should have the results he reckoned within a day or two and I have to say within a little over 24 hours I had my test I think at about 3 o'clock in the afternoon and by 7 o'clock the following evening ping text on my phone to say that I didn't have COVID-19 so that was obviously a great relief for everyone because I was starting to worry about who would need to, if I did if I had picked up COVID-19 because you're scratching your head thinking I've been nowhere how could I have picked it up where did I pick it up was I not careful enough in the supermarket and then of course you go through all the who if I do have it have I passed it on to anyone looking at everybody in the household will they all be okay what about the people at work and you know you're, I was already trying to make out lists of people if I got the phone call to say we need to contract trace uh, people and I had it all ready to go, but it, it wasn't needed because I didn't have it, uh, thank God. But then I was left with that. I was still feeling very, very unwell and coming to terms with what was actually wrong with me. Now, I was at this stage on uh, an antibiotic and it looked like I had some kind of, of an infection that just had run through me. And you know what I had to face up to more than anything? And it was, in fairness, it was the, the doctor speaking to me when I was getting checked to see if I had COVID-19, started to say, you know, I don't think it's COVID-19, but what going on with you that you could have an infection uh, like this and I suddenly started to realise that I was burnt out I think there was a bit of carer's burnout in going on and I think more than anything it was my body saying you need to you need to rest you need to ease off a little bit I was just absolutely overdoing everything obviously I'm working and I love my job and anyone that knows me and you my listeners know how much I love it. I know I don't look at it as work. I turn up here every morning and I'm just blessed at the end of every month. They put money into my bank account to thank me for turning up here every day. But I think if they didn't, I'd still be probably here every day. I love doing what, I, what I'm what i doing. So I never feel under any huge pressure with 
work. It has been, I suppose, more stressful, the whole COVID-19 aspect of it. And, you know, you're worried about people and, you know, some of the stories that we would talk about on air, you know, quite hard and I can get quite emotional uh, about it. But even allowing for all of that, I, I still have a great passion for what I do and I love doing what, I, what I'm doing. But I suppose then when I'm thinking about what's going on at home, Marsha's uh, workshop where Marsha goes uh, every day has been closed now for four months. So she's been at home with us for four months and we've been looking after her on our own. We don't have any outside support. We live too far away from to have family members that can be popping in and out. And even though with restrictions, they probably wouldn't have been able to pop in and out to, to offer you help and support. So you've, I've all of that going on and and I've been very slow to complain about it because, you know, while Marcia has very special needs and has to be really cared for and looked after, we don't have a lot of the challenging behaviour that other people are having and that I'm hearing about. And I'm, I'm in a lot of sort of groups online where... You know, I read about and hear about families who are really struggling with special needs sons and daughters who are so missing their schools and missing their work placements and their daycare services. And that's leading to really, really challenging behaviour and can be very violent behaviour. So I suppose we don't have that going on. And, you know, because of that, I'm slow to kind of complain. I feel like I'm the one moaning if I'm going to be complaining about the fact that, you know, Marsh is at home all the time. But I think I'm watching her I'm watching her go into herself. You know, she doesn't want to engage with anything. She's losing her her joy of life. Nothing seems to excite her anymore. So you've got that ongoing concern. I suppose there is concern there on top of all everything else that's going on with the COVID-19. And because she's a tendency to now turn night into day, she just wants to stay in bed all day. It's hard to motivate her to do anything. She's not sleeping very well at night then because of it. And because she's not sleeping very well at night, I'm not sleeping very well at night. And I was just thinking the week before I got sick, I think every single morning I was up by five o'clock having my shower because I was lying in bed. She wasn't sleeping. I wasn't sleeping. I might as well be up doing something. So I realised I needed to catch up on sleep, which is a really stupid thing to have allowed myself to sort of to, to I think I, I allowed myself to hit a low that I didn't even realise I was you know str- I think we do that I think we play I, I know I play martyr mode I know I'm great for playing martyr mode I'm great for being the one oh I'm fine everything's fine of course I can cope you know I'm not too bad people are worse off the, the, than me and I think we as carers I think carers and I'm not knocking this brilliant male carers out there but I think that those of us that are the mammies um we're the last to complain. We'll make sure everybody else is OK and then we forget about ourselves. I mean, how many times have I done interviews where we talk about carer burnout, where we talk about when you're on an aeroplane and the oxygen mask falls down, you need to put your own oxygen mask on first before you can help anybody else uh, with you. And I'm always pontificating about that and I'm always saying to people, you need to look after yourself. And then I didn't heed any of the advice myself. So I think what happened over the last week and a half was it was my body saying wake up call here you need to sort of look after yourself a little bit and just and I needed to sleep and I think I spent a lot of certainly the first week I just I was sleeping I just all I wanted to do uh, was sleep so it's good to be back and it's good to feel well again
I think that's the one thing I can say. I got out of bed this morning and I said, I actually feel good. And long, long may that continue. So thank you. As I say, thank you to John Paul, who uh, very capable hands uh, to fill in. And thank you to people who are sending in lovely texts this morning saying that uh, welcoming me back and um, glad to know that I'm, I'm uh, OK. But if, if I learned anything from it all besides the whole burnout thing and I will do my really really best not to let that happen again the one message I do want to get across to people is about the COVID-19 testing and for people not to be afraid of it because I certainly was nervous going forward I was afraid of having stupidly afraid of having the test done and oh my god is it going to hurt Uh, and it doesn't and if we can get that message out this morning to people because later on in the programme I'm going to be speaking with uh, Dr Nick Flynn, uh, wonderful GP who we rely on and have relied on so much during, particularly during lockdown to offer advice to people. He, along with other GPs, have started to notice that some people are going into the GP practice with symptoms of COVID-19, which, by the way, is the one thing you're not meant to do. If you have any of the symptoms of COVID-19, you ring, someone will speak to you over the phone, And then they'll decide whether you need to come in or not. And then when you go in, you don't go into the general surgery because there is the fear if we all start turning up with symptoms into a surgery and you're sitting next to somebody who comes in for some other thing, some other complaints that you could pass it on to them if if you are contagious. So it's very important that you ring in advance. But there's a worry now that some people are coming forward to GPs and when the GP says, yes, you need to have a COVID-19 test for a whole variety of reasons, People are saying, uh, no, I don't want I don't want to go forward. I don't want to have uh, the test done. And that's really, really silly. And my fear is that some people are afraid of the test because so much was spoken about this swab going up your nose and how you were going to be in agony and all of that. So please let nobody be afraid of the test. Let nobody be afraid of it. Uh, 1850 John Paul and Sadie are taking your calls this morning. And actually something I wanted to start the programme on rather than talking about myself. Can I send on my deepest, deepest sympathies to the family of uh, Kieran O'Connor from Ahada? I was so saddened yesterday when I heard the news that uh, Kieran had lost his battle against cancer. My God, he put up such a fight. Uh, it was about three years ago now, wasn't it, when he was first uh, diagnosed with uh, cancer? And of course, Kieran, known to us all as a former Cork footballer, uh, but a much loved Ahada uh, footballer, and he sadly uh, yesterday lost his battle against uh, cancer. And my deepest sympathy to all of his family, but in particular to his wife Sinead and. To to his young children, his daughters Isabel and Ava and his little son uh, James. May uh, Kieran uh, rest in peace. And there was another lady who uh, passed away this week that I was deeply saddened to hear about and that's a lady by the name of Christine Keegan. She passed away in Dublin at the age of 84. Now Christine I would have interviewed God, almost 30 years ago now. Christine was mother to two daughters. Mary was 19 and Martina was 16 and on a Valentine's night back in 1981 young Mary and her younger sister Martina got all dressed up and they were all excited and they headed off to a dance that was held in a ballroom called the Stardust in Artane and as Christine when I spoke with her many many years ago said she remembered her two daughters the excitement of getting dressed up Valentine's dance and they got dressed up and they went out and they were looking gorgeous and as she said to me that day in the interview they never came home and she has spent the rest since 1981 she spent the rest of her life 
campaigning to try to get justice for her two daughters. We know there has been many inquiries held since that 1981 um, Sardis uh, disaster. And, you know, and as of course, as we found out, all the escape routes from the dance hall were blocked and all the emergency doors were locked with chains. So they really, they did, they, they got locked into this fire inferno and they just did not uh, stand uh, a chance. But there was never any prosecutions against the tragedy and it was the one thing that Christine Keegan uh, felt she never got justice because she never got any prosecutions for her two daughters who never came home uh, that night along with many many others uh, who 48 young people lost their lives on the night of the Stardust disaster so just uh, we remember Christine Keegan who now rests in peace with her two daughters uh, Mary and Martina. May she rest in peace. Face coverings, your views on uh, the wearing of face coverings all customers now entering shops according to the Taoiseach will have to wear face coverings and retail staff will also have to wear them. That's if they can't keep a distance of two metres uh, from their customers or if there isn't a, a petition. You know, I mean, a lot of the shops, in fairness, uh, do have perspex screens up now because I think it might be quite difficult for some shop workers, you know, if they're at work all day for eight hours, they may find wearing of a face mask all day long. Some may find that a little bit difficult, whereas for people going in and out of shops, um, it'll be okay. You won't have to wear them for very long because I know not everybody likes wearing masks. It's going to be interesting how uh, people get around uh, this because regulations with details on enforcing the face mask and penalties, according to the Taoiseach, he said this yesterday, will be will be formulated in the advice coming to government from uh, Neffert in relation to uh, face coverings. So at the moment, we're told we're, we all should wear them, but there will be regulations which will mean enforcement and will mean penalties. So so your thoughts welcomed on that because I know yesterday Mandate had called for the compulsory face coverings in shops and supermarkets and they said they wanted it done to protect the retail workers from catching the virus because we all know we wear a mask to protect other people not to uh, protect uh, ourselves. Um, I the, already see John has been on saying why has it, why are we five months in? to coronavirus arriving on our shores and wire face masks only coming in now. John reckons this should be done from the start. But having said that, he says he finds it very difficult to wear a mask and he is today going to head to the doctor and he's going to get a letter to say that he doesn't need to wear a face mask himself but he agrees that everybody else should be wearing face masks but he feels that it should have been done before now. So your thoughts welcomed on that. Also looking for your thoughts and comments on the pubs not reopening. Micheál Martin made it official yesterday that phase four of the lockdown easing is now going to be delayed until the 10th of August and the big one which would if phase four had gone ahead next Monday was to be the reopening of the pubs. Now the Vintners Federation of Ireland have warned that publicans have been dealt what they say is a hammer blow by the decision to propose reopening of the pubs. The Vintners Federation are warning that the move is going to have huge ramifications, particularly for the family-run pubs across Ireland. And they said that publicans are reeling as a result of the decision. Podrick Crimmon, who is uh, with the Vintners Federation of Ireland, he said the vast majority of those pubs are small rural outlets. They're run by families who are are on a first name terms with all of the customers. They know everybody coming in uh, to the pub. And he said they're very far removed from the crowded venues that are concerning Neffet and in particular 
what he's intimating and talking about there are what happened in Dublin the weekend before last. You remember when we saw down by Temple Bar and the huge crowds that were congregating. Very, very different. You'd never have a scene like what you had in Dublin. You'd never have a scene in a, in a rural pub. And that's the point that Podrick Cribben uh, has made. He's warning that small rural pubs will be hardest uh, hit, uh, particularly if they have to now remain closed for another three weeks. He said it's going to make it very difficult for many of them to survive. And uh, he's calling now on the government to say that they need cash injections. He said they don't need loans, they need grants, that something will need to be done. And he went on you know, to talk about all the rest of their bills are still there, their energy costs, their insurance costs, their telephone, their utility all of those bills still have to be paid. Yet, he said, there's absolutely no income uh, coming uh, in. So he thinks it's very unfair. They've remained shut for four months. He thinks it's very unreasonable to ask them to remain shut for another uh, three uh, weeks. And Michal Martin, one of the reasons why they've made the decisions, the announcements that they made yesterday, they're concerned about the spread of the virus and they're concerned in particular about younger people and they're making the point that it's younger people that actually go out to the pub pub and there's been an increase in the amount of younger people who are contracting coronavirus and the problem is that they're out socialising more, they're with more people so of course we know the R number has gone up, it was 0.4 a couple of weeks ago and now it's up, it's now closer to 2 than it is to 1 which means the amount of people you would pass on the virus too if you turn out being a positive and they're saying that's down to young people, that's down to young people socialising and because of that They'd say they need to keep the pubs closed to keep young people away from from the pubs. But of course, if you keep the young people away from the pubs, are we just driving them closer to house parties instead? Mary says the pubs not opening are all down to those house parties. They should have stopped the selling of alcohol during lockdown. The government knew that these house parties were happening all throughout lockdown and they never stopped them. And now it's a bit late to be closing the pubs. It is the house parties that you need to target. And actually, when I mentioned Podrick Cribben, uh, who is saying a hammer blow and that publicans are left reeling from this news. Paul Cribben has also come out and said that the government should consider banning the sale of alcohol in supermarkets. And here's what Paul Cribben had to say on that. The real issue that we're seeing around the country is we're seeing it in house parties and we're actually seeing quite a, a growth in illegal shebeens growing up around the country. And here's the question. If government are really serious and if they're really serious of, ta- of tackling the house parties, I think that they've really got to look at whether they're going to allow alcohol to continue to be sold in supermarkets. There you go. Illegal shebeens and it's the supermarkets where a lot of the young people are picking up their alcohol. Would you agree with Padre Cribben that that's the way to go if they're going to keep the pubs shut until the 10th of August which is going to go over the August bank holiday weekend which means the pubs will have remained closed for all of the bank holiday weekends. They were closed for the, for the, for the Patrick's Day one as well but they've been closed for the May bank holiday, the June bank holiday and the August bank holiday which traditionally are weekends where our pubs will be very very busy but we now know that they will remain closed certainly for the, the next bank holiday uh, as well. So does, is Podrick Cribben right if we if they have these huge concerns about house parties and it, 
it very much looks like that's what the government are saying. We're having too many of these house parties. I mean, even when they were talking about phase four not going ahead next Monday, they were also talking about the restrictions on the number of people that you can have into your house. You can't have more than 10 people at one time and those 10 people must, they can't come from any more than four households and that's to stop 10 individuals all congregating in a house party. If they're having the house party, they have to get alcohol somewhere. It's Podrick Cribben right that we need to ban the sale of alcohol in our supermarkets as well. Your thoughts welcomed on that. 1850 333 103. Court today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850 333 I was thinking as well when they when they weren't being given any guidelines. I know DeBarras and Clan were one of the ones saying, "Look, we don't have guidelines. We can't possibly open on Monday." They'd made that decision during the week. So my sinking feeling was, if they weren't giving out the guidelines in time, they must have known that they were they weren't going to open the pubs on Monday. They certainly must have had some indication, but they could have related that to the back of the public. They know, and we've been continuously explaining them up here the situation that some publicans are in. They're very, very close to the age of closure and some of them have made it a bit close and stay close. But to allow or to put them in a situation last week of forcing them to make a decision and to like juggling a ball, whether you're going to do it or not going to do it, and a lot of them did purchase um, their products for, for, for the opening as they, thought would, as they thought would happen. And it could have happened. And it should have happened under strict guidelines. There's no no one disrespecting the guidelines that are there. Last week, or two weeks ago, 7,000 pubs, food pubs opened the country. There were 6,800 uh, inspections. 
I met some one publican told me the other day in West Cork he was inspected seven times. He had no issue being inspected seven times, but he said that's the law and he's quite happy to do that. And any publican would have been happy to do that, but they have been let terribly, terribly down because they're afraid of something happening in Dublin and that means the whole of the country must be put into the same same basket and closure is, is where they're left today. And, and they're going to lose out and miss out on the last bank holiday of the summer. They're going to miss out on that. They're going to miss out on any little bit of summer trade, and this is what they they did for survival. Because you, you and there's another situation too. There needs to be captains complete. There's illegal bars opening up here, there, and everywhere, and they're not paying wages. There's no controls over. There's people who go to house parties. There's no there's no place other than the rural or the country pubs to control and work with the people and 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 keep keep things in a safe manner. And the opportunity has be, has we've missed out on, and nobody was missing. And, and, when the opposition was saying this during the week, number one, they needed clarity and clarity earlier. Number two, they could have opened, opened closed Dublin and kept and rural Ireland pubs could have been open. That was never going to be the case because we don't want to upset Dublin and that's the mindset that has been in the previous government and it looks very much it's going to be the same mindset going forward. And, very angry and because, just yes, a, admit, and on yes. another point, if by not opening the pubs, Michael, are we, they're, they're citing house parties and saying that, you know, the coronavirus seems to be spreading more among younger people than older people and they're worried about these house parties. If you don't open the pubs, are we just pushing more the younger generation into these house parties? Exactly. And that's what's happening. And as I said to you uh, earlier, the pubs and nightclubs are pushed in together. So a decision that was made yesterday could have been simply made on the basis of, well, if you open the pub, but, uh, the nightclub is included in that. They should be separated. Mm, absolutely. Totally absolutely. But the, the house parties is what we're going to have to be faced with now going forward where there's no controls, where everybody's congregating in large settings together. A mistake, a shocking mistake made by the government today. And it's left a lot of publicans very, very hot. I was speaking to some of them. They were in cinch last night, in cinch. And they believe that we as a politician should deliver. And me as a politician tried, but I failed. And I don't think the understanding is there because they're basing their decisions on city, massive city pubs. And we're not part of that in, in rural Ireland, in County Cork. And sadly, I think some of those pubs may never open again. And that's, that's a decision. And what, I, what, what I'm worried about is that I'm listening to that from family-run pubs that don't have mortgages and not paying rent. And now all of a sudden they're talking about not opening. Where does the person who is paying a big mortgage or who is paying a big rent I, I, I think that a lot of them are sitting there wondering, is it, is it, is it over? And, uh, you know, there was a mindset in the previous government to close them. And, and I think they're like, as if they found an excuse to do that now. And uh, it's a shocking, a shocking mistake made by the, uh, this government. And it will be relayed in the floor of the today. But they're not listening. And if you're not listening, it's, it's impossible to get that message across because the mindset is cities, big city based. And if, it, if it's worrying them in Dublin, that means the rest of us will suffer. And it's worrying them in Dublin big time. Uh, okay, Jason, who is a frontline worker, though, is taking a kind of slightly different look uh, on it. Uh, he thinks the government has made the right decision. Uh, he says he's good time for Michael Collins, but, he, uh, but what you, when you're talking about the pubs, he said, are TDs prepared to swap their jobs for my job? I work in a city hospital uh, and I have that awful job of putting bodies into body bags. The government are making the right decision here. We, but what we also need to do is clamp down on visitors who are coming into this uh, country, closing, keeping the pubs closed is the right way to do it coronavirus uh, is still out there and we are seeing a a resurgence of the uh, virus. Have you an understanding of somebody who works on the front line um, Michael? I have great great respect for anybody that works on the front front line uh, Patricia and and, and no better people to I suppose to advise the same but what I want to say is that the pubs are being closed according to the rules and regulations that were made yesterday in Dublin. The bottom 
that there's now going to be a mass amount of, of illegal get-togethers, parties, or whatever. There's illegal bars opening all over the place, and signing sheds, and signing this, and signing that. Visitors are coming into this country. There's no controls. If I call for rapid same-day testing, simple solutions that they've refused to deliver to the people who are learning. And unfortunately, they're the reasons that Jason has to, will be carrying out a, a very difficult task of putting police into everybody like. But the bottom line is, I can assure Jason, the rural pub where four, five, six people were coming in daily, sitting separately away from each other. Yeah, yeah, I, I've just seen a, a really good comment come in to say, I live in a rural area. There are two pubs in the area where I live. These pubs are on their knees. They can't base the decision on all pubs, urban versus rural. They're very different. You can't put them all in together. Most rural pubs, at the best of times, will only have a handful of people in them and it could very well social distance. Rural Ireland is on its knees at the moment. Uh, my local pub is closing now after have made the decision they won't reopen. They're 40 years in existence and there'll be a lot of small pubs like that who who just will, you know, as John, John knows, you know, they're, they're, they're never going to reopen again. Well, we know that there's a stimulus package next, next week being announced here and if there's been something dramatically uh, announced in relation to pubs, there will be a close. And I don't see much hope because probably going to do that. They provide 50,000 jobs in, in, in Ireland, the, the, the public and technical. And it, we're being thrown in. The situation is the, the rural pub has been thrown in with the Dublin pub. It's been thrown in with the nightclubs. It cannot survive. It cannot survive. And they've made a terrible, terrible mistake that they didn't separate that. And the rural pub should have been open two, three weeks ago. And what I said to you know, Martin Tishuk the other day was this in the door. What you're having is two pubs maybe opening one end of the street where there's food and there's a large congregation of people going into that pub. Whereas it was, if every pub in town had been open from the Borgo and the rural community, there would have been only a small number in every pub and sort of eased the pressure and, and the situation we're in. It's, it's terrible, terrible and fair pressure. And, and I look, I have a conflict of interest. I have two family members and uh, they don't own pub, two brothers, and I have a daughter who works in the pub. But I do know firsthand in the struggle, much better than most, that they are, they are finding it. And the difficulty is we've been thrown in, as I said, with nightclubs and pubs in Dublin. And today it's, it's, it's cost many, many a public in their, their livelihoods and many a community another, another business closing. Jackie Mitchistown says, whatever about the pubs, I wish the government would clamp down on the number of people coming into the country on these flights from America and the United Kingdom and from uh, Europe. Uh, they need to be on top of that much more than they're on top of the, the closure of rural uh, pubs. You um, represent a very scenic tourist area of the country, Michael, in West Cork. Are you seeing a lot of overseas tourists? Well, what, what I've seen down in, uh, you know, in, in the Milton Head, Bell of the Hops, got in Goldeen last week, and then I, would, I travelled around, I was in Capitol Bear, and I was, she said, I was different places during the weekend, but what I did see is that a, a lot of visitors, 90% of what I saw were, were, were to me, were Irish visitors, got to be looking at the registration, and whatever. There was, you know, Texas coming to me from people saying there's a bus full of so many people have to come to such a place. That's not right. Well, that, and and there, there is maybe a good few English rich cars. That's about the only thing I saw. It's, we've had a huge influx of, of Irish uh, tourists down into, into West Cork, and, yeah, and that's that's good and it's all right. Patricia, the mistake was made, and I keep going back to it, the rapid same-day testing in the airports and ports, and that would have given great ease of mind and safety to those who came in. They should have been asked to pay for their own tests if the state didn't want to pay for it. If they didn't pay for their own tests, an absolute and strict 
14 day closure on, on their movement need to be honed in on this and serious fines need to be applied if they're paid for their test their coronavirus we let them go free and so you rapid test it. somebody gets off a plane you test them they wait you put them in a holding area they wait until the test results come back yeah. whatever couple of hours it takes and then they get the A or the nay to head off on their holidays it's happening in Vienna it's happening in Singapore it's happening in other countries but in Ireland we're afraid to do that you simply offer this to them um, if they fail to, to, to carry out the test, you carry out the fourteen-day uh, lockdown on, the, on, on their movement, and if you do, and, and severely find them, they move around that. Unfortunately, here we're we're giving them a farm. There's no follow-up on it. They're freely walking around our towns a bit. Just we don't know have they got the coronavirus or not. And it's warning the local people. They, 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 they come, they come into community. Even though they did, didn't I hear Stephen Donnelly yesterday say there was only four cases linked to uh, travel. Um, from Amer- well, from America in particular, there was four cases of COVID nineteen, which can be directly linked to travel from America, and I couldn't get confirmation on whether they were visitors or whether they're Irish citizens returning home. But there's only four. I mean, Stephen Donnelly is trying to play down this whole thing about tourists. He's trying to play it on, but you cannot. Like, and I, again, when I'm in my travels in West Cork, people were expressing serious concerns about certain people come from certain parts of the world into, into Ireland. Now, if there's only one every day comes in with the coronavirus, that has gone undetected at our airport and port, and that has gone back into our communities, and it's spreading. It doesn't need to be. It, they can be tested, and it can be done. And the government have been, uh, others have been insisting that this should be done here. They've been refusing to move on it. They're using cost, they're using everything. They don't need it. And I've been at the Cork Airport about setting this, uh, this up, in, and obviously getting the support of the government to do that. And I get, I, what I'm getting is kind of a block wall in government. Instead of somebody sitting down and saying, this is the, the best solution we can... And if you're oh, coronavirus... And I think, I think, and I think like you're that. right. Let them pay for... The, if, if it's a cost issue, tell the people coming into the country, yeah. if you want to come on holiday here, then you pay for it yourself. I'm not going to have time to get to the National Broadband Plan. We'll bring you back on to talk about that at another date, uh, Michael. But I've got um, a couple of ad breaks to get in before news at 11. No Listen, thank you for that. And uh, good good topics for debate for the programme today. Thank you for joining us. Uh, good morning to you. That is uh, Cork South West Independent Hall Deputy Michael Collins joining us from the Convention Centre. 1850 333 today. C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 I can see a lot of calls coming in about the pubs and the pubs not reopening. Was it the right decision? Was it the wrong uh, decision? A listener says footballer, football matters, pubs matter. But where do lives matter? So there's obviously somebody very much uh, in favour of what Neil Martin decided to do yesterday in not reopening the pubs next Monday. And then it only takes one case to infect the country, says another listener. Now that's reacting to Stephen Donnelly, who came out yesterday, was trying to defend tourists coming into this country and saying that there's a very low number of tourists coming into this country. I mean, for example, the figure that they're constantly quoting is that the traffic flying into this uh, country is down by 91% compared to this time at last year. So there's there are flights coming in, but there's a very small proportion of people coming in on those flights. And Stephen Donnelly making the point yesterday there was just four confirmed cases of COVID-19 had entered the country via the US flights in the last six weeks. It's a very small number, but that listener making the point, it only takes 
takes one case to go on and affect all the country. How did it start in this country? It was one person came in on a flight from an affected area, brought it in and uh, it's history since. Uh, 1850 I have another ad break to get to before news at 11. I will get to your calls and comments that will be coming in uh, in the last hour. Keep them coming. Uh, John Paul and Sadie are taking the calls. You can text or WhatsApp me though at 0862 103 103. This is Court Today. Court Today. With Patricia Messenger on C103. Court's greatest hits. C103. Was hoping at this point in the programme to speak with uh, Dr. Nick Flynn, but unfortunately, being a doctor, it's always a thing when you bu- book any uh, one in the medical profession uh, in, there's always something could come up that he's, he's not uh, always available at the time. So, unfortunately, he's not available to join us today. But I think uh, I just wait for John Park. He doesn't know if he can do tomorrow or not. Okay, we're hoping he can do uh, tomorrow. We're, we're leaving that with him at the moment. But Dr. Nick is not going to be on because I know whenever we've Dr. Nick on, we inevitably will get questions in for him. So, fingers crossed, we will be able to talk with him tomorrow. Can I give this out as a word of warning? I actually saw it over the weekend and my thanks to the gang uh, who run the, Dennis and Amy, who run the Acts of Kindness page in Mallow uh, for sending it on to me as well. But I actually saw it online myself yesterday and I was quite taken aback by it. And uh, someone who follows the Act of Kindness page in Mallow sent this on just as a kind of a word of warning and the Guys and gals of the Act of Kindness page have checked with the lady to, to see if it's okay if we call it out, and it is. So I'm 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 happy to do it. But it's a story I think that needs to be shared just to give it out to other people as a word of warning that you never know where you think your children are going to be safe. Are they absolutely safe? Anyway, it was a lady who says. I went to do some shopping today and the children were with me. On the way home, I stopped in. No, it's a super value store. I think, was it super value? I don't know whether it's actually stated on it. Let me just see. Um, does it say where? No, it doesn't say the shop. Sorry, my apologies. It doesn't. I thought it said uh, a shop. It doesn't. Anyway, uh, I stopped in a shop to get some milk and cheese and stuff. Instead of carting all of the children into the shop, I left the window slightly open and they were all sitting and watching a movie on their tablet. I was in the store. Couldn't have been more than five minutes. On the way home, my oldest told me that some, what my oldest described as an oldish looking guy came to the car opened the door and told them to get out of the car. She said he had a white beard and was driving a greenish card. Couldn't get any more details than that. Uh, She told him to go away. It was not his car and that she refused to get out of the car. And then he said, oh, well, screw it. And then walked over to his own car, got in and drove away. We wanted to share it with other people on Facebook uh, for a word of warning. And by the way, the mum says the eldest child in the car was 12. So it was 12 Three children, 12 and under. They weren't toddlers. They were, they were left in the car before people start judging as to would you leave children of that age in a car. So the eldest was 12. I think a lot of parents would be quite comfortable leaving a 12, a responsible 12-year-old in a car while mum nipped into the shop. Five minutes. It wasn't into a supermarket. It was just parked up into the shop, buy the few bits uh, and came back out. But she wanted to give it out as a word of warning. It happened in the North Cork uh, area uh, 
white white beard, you know, oldish. It's for a twelve year old. Would a twelve year old know? Would a fifty year old be old to a twelve year old? Probably. Uh, so it's hard to put an age on this this man. But he white beard and then was driving a, a greenish uh, car. Now I don't know. Was the man confused? Did he think it was his car? You straight away would like to jump in and think that there wasn't some that there wasn't evil intent in what the man was doing and was he just a bit confused and thought maybe that it was his car and these children were sitting in his car that would be my what I would like to think has happened but maybe there was something much more sinister to it. So we give it out as a word of warning to people to just to be very careful and I suppose you can't go anywhere now and leave your children sitting in a car thinking they're going to be okay. And you know what struck me when I read it first was we went through a period of time particularly during lockdown where children were shunned and parents were shunned if they took their children into shops with them. We had supermarkets saying the children weren't welcomed. We still have some supermarkets that insist you can only bring your children shopping at certain times of the day. And people are all being very careful about COVID-19. And do you remember in the early days, it was we were led to believe that children were super spreaders. We've since discovered they're not. But the, we had a lot of families in the dilemma whereby they couldn't bring their children into the supermarkets with them. They didn't always have somebody that they could leave the children with at home. And then they were stuck with that problem. Do I leave them sitting in the car while I run in to get my few bits and pieces? And obviously that's what this woman decided to do. I'll leave the children in the car. I'm just running in. Only got a few bits uh, to get. And then to come back out and to discover that some strange man had come, opened the car door told them to get out of the car. Luckily, the 12-year-old had the confidence to say, go away, we're not getting out of the car, this is our car. And the man just went away. Uh, Your thoughts welcomed on that, 1850-333-103. On the wearing of masks, the masks being compulsory, we've already had a few calls in from people saying that for their own medical reasons, they don't feel comfortable wearing masks. John was one of our first callers this morning to say he's straight off to the doctor today. He's going to get a letter from the doctor to say that he, because of whatever medical condition he has, uh, he doesn't have to wear a mask and I'd be interested to see how many doctors will be providing these letters and will doctors willingly provide letters to people to say that they can go into a supermarket or into any kind of a retail outlet and when it becomes mandatory to wear a mask and that they don't have to wear a mask because they've got a letter. It'll be really interesting to see how that works out. And let me know, by the way, if you went to a doctor and did you get a letter and what does it, what does it actually uh, state? Mary says, of course, all masks should be mandatory and everybody should wear them. I don't buy this, that people are going to their doctors to get a letter. My view is just suck it up and get on with wearing the mask. If you genuinely are that unwell that you can't wear a mask due to some kind of a complaint, then you simply should stay at home and get home delivery. It's a load of bull. People coming out saying they can't wear masks. My message to those people is suck it up, get on with it. And if you can't wear a mask, then stay indoors. So Mary, one of our listeners, 1850-333-103. I'd like to hear from people who fall into that category or feel they fall into that category that they can't wear a mask. Mary is saying to you, stay at home then. If you can't wear a mask, it's mandatory. Stay at home and don't go out and get somebody else to do your shopping for you or else get home delivery. Your thoughts welcomed on uh, that. A lot of commentary coming in about pubs. Uh, Michael Collins says Tom and Rath Gormack would need to wake up. The pubs, the nightclubs and the dance halls are the one thing. So they were right to stop the opening 
drinking until the 10th of August. After drink, everyone is is on top of each other anyway. Yeah, but I think, Tom, what Michael was saying, he feels that ro- pubs, particularly rural pubs, shouldn't have been lobbed in with nightclubs and dance halls, that they should have been separate. That if you wanted to just open rural pubs, then open rural pubs, keep your nightclubs and your dance halls uh, closed. I think that was the point he was making, that they shouldn't be all lobbed in uh, together. Jack in Mitchellstown says, I wish the government would simply clamp down on all the flights coming into this uh, country uh, as much as they are with the rural pubs. They seem to be getting it right with the rural pubs, but they're not getting it right on the flights uh, coming in. Kenneth in Garrettstown says, if you open up the country pubs, like let the rural pubs open, would the fear not be that you'd have people coming from the cities and the larger urban areas that then it all start piling in to the local smaller pubs. At the moment we're hearing that local publicans will know everyone that comes in to their pub and they're all able to social distance but if they get an influx of people from urban areas or from the city then we'll be absolutely defeating the purpose of allowing the smaller pubs to open because there's not as many people in there. Neem says the parents allowing the house parties to go on should be named and shamed. We are all afraid of an explosion of the virus here in West Cork. Parents need to get their own houses in order first and know what their children are getting up to. Jack and Mallow says I've been to several house parties and he's very honest. He said it isn't drink is the problem, it's drugs. Drugs are the first choice, not alcohol. These parties, some of them could go on all night. He says it's scary to see what happens at some parties. Jack and Mallow says bring back the pubs. It's safer and at least if you're in a pub, you have publicans who can monitor what's going on in a pub whereas at house parties uh, nobody's doing any monitoring of it. Hi Patricia, I totally agree we need to shut down the off licences and the supermarkets that are selling alcohol. The pubs are not the problem here. It's the cheap alcohol and it's the cheap alcohol that people are taking to these house parties. That is where the problem lies. So agreeing with a lot of people, actually I can see commentary coming in. A lot of people agreeing with Padre Kremen. Remember we played out a piece in Padre Kremen of the Vintners Federation who, uh, let me let me go to his piece again. This is Padre Kremen of the Vintners Federation and what he feels needs to be done about pubs and off The real issue that we're seeing around the country is we're seeing it in house parties and we're actually seeing quite a, a growth in illegal she-beans growing up around the country. And here's the question. If government are really serious and if they're really serious of, ta- of tackling the house parties, I think that they've really got to look at whether they're going to allow alcohol to continue to be sold in supermarkets. So he's saying stop the off sale in your off licences and in your supermarkets. As regards the pubs not closing, says another listener, it is the death nail for the rural pubs who provide a social service to people living on their own, a place for them to meet their friends. Two pubs in my area have now said they'll never reopen again because of the COVID-19 uh, restrictions. And by the way, these were, these were two small pubs that never would have been packed. Yeah, it's it's dreadful to see some of those. And that listener is right. They are. There is, there, there is a social side to it where people will go down, might play a game of cards, you know, meet up with the friends, might go out only once a week. And for some people living in very rural areas, it might be the only night 
you know, they go out once a week, maybe on a Friday or Saturday night, a few games of cards with the friends, and that'll be the only time they they were out. John in Ross says, if Deputy Michael Collins, who was on with you in the last hour, knows where these she he was talking about she beans, but like what Patrick Cribbin was mentioning there, if he knows where these she she beans are, why isn't he informing the Gardaí? We need to get those she beans closed down, and that's from John in Ross Garbury. Some of your texts coming in on this. I know the publicans must make a living, says this texter, but we've all lost income because of COVID-19. I presume that they're getting the COVID-19 allowance. I'm so glad the pubs are closed. I would like to see a total ban also on the sale of alcohol. Well done to Padraig Crebin for what he has said. When will the government cop on? On the house parties, fine the parents. It might stop them. Tim says, what a bunch we have in government. They're leaving Americans from COVID-ridden states in to do what they like around the country. And then they're telling us we need to holiday at home. And then they come on and they lock down the pubs. Well, the pubs are a huge part of going on holidays. Most of the people against pubs are probably anti-pub anyway, says Tim in uh, Mallow. Uh, Marie says hi Patricia glad to hear you're back um, thank you for that and by the way thank you for people who sent in uh, texts wishing me well I won't get to all of them but thank you um, I've read them all and I do uh, appreciate them I think that the last and the this is Marie I think the last and the current government are anti-rural Ireland our TDs for Cork South West need to do a lot more more price hikes for broadband something needs to be done about it and we didn't get to that broadband issue but I promise we will I promise we will get back uh, to it another listener says Patricia every fool knows that there are lots of publicans who don't close pubs at night time at the time at the right time the time that they're meant to close down that introduces the she bean element just as well as off licences do the pubs just want that off licence trade I do not agree with those mad house parties I do not, sorry, my screen's after jumping on me. I do not agree with those mad house parties. But we're now being told that 10 is the number of people who can be in a private house. Uh, 10, says this listener. What house has a sitting room big enough in the average home that could have 10 people in where you'd be two metres socially distancing? It is hardly possible. I say without the crowding effect, all which we're told should be avoiding. All of these house parties simply need to uh, stop. Hi Patricia, I'm sick of listening to people blaming the pubs for this coronavirus. It wasn't the pubs that brought coronavirus into this country. They have to make a living, plus all of their staff are losing out on employment. Stopping the sale of alcohol in supermarkets and off-licence is nonsense. It's people... Stop leaving people into the country. That is the way we will stop the spread of coronavirus. Hi, I think what Paul Crippen is saying is quite right. It is true. The young ones are after having a good party time and it's time for them to get a wake-up call. That man, and I'm assuming that was Michael Collins that you would on, well, you would on, would want to wake up to. Is life not more important? We'll be back to where we were last March if we allow the pubs to open up. So someone 
100% behind what Micheál Martin has decided uh, to uh, do. Someone else says the guidelines are a death trap. We don't have sitting rooms the size of Dáil Éireann as was discussed back to how can you have 10 people inside of a sitting room. The best precaution of all would be to wear masks. We should have been wearing masks from the outset. And just on the wearing of masks, the listener says I was in my local Centra store and a lot of people are not wearing face masks and there's no one enforcing the rules there. It's all a bit of a joke. That's something that is going to be a big problem as well. Who is going to enforce the mandatory wearing of face masks in supermarkets? I'm hoping that it's going to go down the line a little bit like, remember when the smoking ban was introduced by the same man who's now our Taoiseach, Micheál Martin. I remember uh, we did countless interviews here on the programme in advance of the smoking ban coming in saying, who's going to police this? This is never going to work. Who is, how is a barman going to stop somebody from lighting up? And we are a very compliant nature. We took to that like a duck to water. Smokers stopped smoking inside in bars and hail, rain or shine. They went outside the door. I mean, I know now there's lots more, much more comfortable smoking areas than there was when the smoking ban was first introduced. So it'll be interesting to see will this be self-policed? Will people literally just start wearing face masks? But according to this listener, she was out at her local centre store this morning and there was very few people wearing face masks. At the moment we're told we should be wearing them. There will be regulations brought in which will mean fines will come in if you don't start uh, wearing them. So it'll be just interesting to note if you have been out shopping this morning keep a look out how many people are actually wearing face masks uh, or not. Uh, let me know please 1850 uh, And just on a couple of other topics then a listener says Patricia we can't do half measures no flights in or out of this country that's what the rule should be. The guards should be able to fine on the double. Find the young people who are going to the party and then track down their parents and find them as well. And then this listener wants to comment on Barry Cowan who was our Agriculture Minister for a very short period of time and is now no longer our Agriculture Minister. And of course we know this was because he had a drink driving uh, offence against him and what subsequently happened on the day that he was stopped for drink driving. Now this Texter is commenting on a lady from Offaly who was obviously in a Vox Pop was asked about how she felt about Barry Cowan being dismissed as the Agriculture Minister. And this lady from Offaly, uh, when asked about the dilemma facing Barry Cowan, said, well, he didn't kill anyone. Well, I would like to tell that lady that I lost someone in this way. And obviously this listener lost somebody because of a drunk uh, driver. Does she want Barry Cowan to be left off until he actually does kill somebody? I would love to speak to that lady, says this texter, and tell that lady from Offaly to please wake up. And then on hairdressers and the cost of hairdressers. A listener says, Hi Patricia, totally agree by the way about the not opening of bars next Monday. We have wonderful quietness here in Castletown Roach without the bars open. But what I am very annoyed about uh, at the moment are hairdressers. My mother, who is an old age pensioner, went to have her hair cut, coloured and blow-dried. And obviously it was the first cut, colour and blow-dry since lockdown so she hadn't had her hair done for three months, maybe even four months. She took her usual money with her. What a shock she got when her local hairdresser told her it would be an extra €50. Are all hairdressers the same? Are they within their rights to up the price? And that signed a very upset daughter. Uh, Are they within their rights? Yeah. 
Yeah, they literally, they can charge what they want to charge. I think they possibly should have told your mother at the outset of getting the cut, colour and blow dry that there was going to be an extra charge. I know I got into my hairdresser on the very first day that hairdressers were allowed to open. I managed to get an appointment on the first day and I couldn't be more excited. And my hairdresser hasn't increased any costs at all. And I, I asked her, you know, was you know, was she was there was there anything she was increasing her cost for? And she said no. And even though she's doing a lot more work herself and she's got all the cost of the hand sanitizers, but she made the decision, but that was an individual choice. And when I mentioned that, we had, and it was, was the very early days of the hairdressers, uh, we had a couple of other listeners come on saying that some hairdressers were increasing prices. Some had gone up by as much as 50 euro. That seems to be the, the top figure that I heard. We know that the Peter Mark chain of stores, in fairness to them, the Peter Mark chain of hairdressers came out before anyone stepped foot inside in the hairdressers to say that they would be increasing their prices, I think up to 60 euro, depending on, on what you got on. An extra 50 euro does sound a lot, and particularly if you're an old age pensioner and you just have exactly the right amount of money with you, which a lot of pensioners would do when they would head to their uh, hairdresser. But are they within their rights to do it? Yeah, they can decide on the price that they feel they need to charge in order to keep them in a biz- in business. It's a bitter pill to swallow, but there are other hairdressers around. Maybe she could find another hairdresser that's not going to be charging as much. And also what I would check in, I would get your mother to check with the hairdresser. Maybe the extra 50 euro was just for that first cut, colour and blow dry after coming back. Maybe, you know, extra time needed to be spent on your mother's hair because she hadn't had her hair cut and coloured in quite some time. And maybe that's why the hairdresser was justifying charging more. Maybe the next time she goes back, it'll be back to the old price. But I would I would check that out in advance. And can I just stay with one other old age pensioner who has a bit of a dilemma going on at the moment. This is John from Blackpool, who uh, was 66 on the 11th of July. So he's finally reached old age pension age. Happy birthday, belated happy birthday to you for last week. Anyway, he claimed his for his pension on the 1st of July and his he had been on disability allowance. Then obviously he was transferring over to old age pension because that would be a higher payment uh, as well. So his disability allowance was cut off, but he's now been told he won't get his old age pension until next week. He spoke with the Department of Social Welfare and they said that's just the way it is. So he's no income now. Is that not a disgraceful way to treat a pensioner? I'm assuming if you go to, if you've no money at all and, you know, I don't know whether you live from pension disability allowance from one payment to another payment. I don't know if you've any savings or any money to keep you going, Um, John, because I'm assuming you will be back paid to when you were due your old age pension. and But if you have no money coming in at all, your community welfare officer, if you go and explain what happens with your community welfare officer, I'm, I'm assuming they would be able to give you some kind of a payment for the week whereby you don't have, you're switching over from disability allowance to old age pension. But it does seem a particularly mean way to treat an old age pensioner. But once again, happy birthday, belated happy birthday for you for the 11th of July. Uh, 1850 333 John Paul and Sadie are taking your calls. It is Thursday, a reminder that Later on on the programme, Jane Pickett, our resident vet, will be joining us. If there's anything wrong with any of the animals in your house, let us know and we can put your questions to Jane uh, later on. But keep your other calls and comments uh, coming in. You can text to WhatsApp 0862 103 103. C103 Jobs. 
An apprentice toolmaker is required for Charlevoix. Students with a good Leaving Cert standard in engineering could also apply. Motor mechanic required for a full-time position, that's in the Fomoy area. While full-time evening shift workers are required for commercial linen company, that's in the Bantry area. And a childminder is wanted to look after three children. It starts from mid-August in the minder's own home and it's in the Fremont area. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. Court today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. And just on the wearing of masks, we're asking people if you've been out and about this morning in supermarkets and shops, just keep a lookout and let us know are you seeing evidence of masks uh, being worn? Because we've had a couple of people on saying they were early this morning and they couldn't see any evidence. Very few people were wearing masks. Uh, Mask, but Una's just been on to say, I'm just back from Tesco's in Killarney, and Una reckoned about 80% of people in Tesco's in Killarney were wearing masks. She said there were children from eight year olds up to 80 year olds. It was great to see, and she said it was very reassuring to walk around the supermarkets with so many people wearing uh, masks. So she thinks the message is getting through. Thank you for that, Una. OK, uh, going to this week's uh, Garda file. And in just a moment, as part of the Garda file, we're going to be speaking with a member of the Garda National Economic Crime Bureau. But firstly, Crime Prevention Officer Sergeant James O'Donovan, based at Bandon Garda Station, uh, joins me for our usual Garda file. Uh, good morning to you, James. Good morning, Patricia. OK, we want you want to start with you're looking for witnesses. Firstly, with thefts from cars. Yes, Patricia, unfortunately we're at that time of year again where a number of cars have been broken into across West Cork. We're going to start there on the 2nd and the 3rd of July, there last in the Kilbarry area of Bandon. Uh, The injured party came out and discovered that the passenger door of her car was actually left open um, when when this was approached by these travelling criminals, again an opportunistic criminals, and a sum of cash was taken from her purse. Now, look, I suppose this is, I suppose, a repeat of a lot of these type of crimes at this time of year, especially with a lot of the tourists coming into West Cork, and we're constantly asking people to be vigilant in relation to their property and their cars. But in this case, we're appealing for anyone that would have seen anyone acting suspicious in the Kilbarry area of Bandon on the 2nd and the 3rd of July to contact the Gardaí in Bandon with any information that they may have. OK, always lock your cars, and even with a locked car, leave nothing, leave nothing, nothing on of display. value. Nothing yeah. on display. Okay, there was theft of diesel, James. Yes, and this is something that we haven't seen for a while, I suppose, in relation to theft of vehicles from, or theft of diesel from vehicles. This happened last weekend uh, from the the 10th to the 12th of July in the Crossbury area. I suppose uh, a fellow finished up for the weekend, he parked up his truck, and when he came back on Monday, he discovered that the diesel had been siphoned from his tank. Now, over the course of the weekend, we're asking for anyone that has seen anyone acting suspicious uh, in the Crossbury area to contact the Gardaí in Ballahassig and, and Bandon. Now this would have taken a bit of time Patricia as well so look maybe it happened at night time we're unsure of the time it happened but people might have seen flashlights or a bit of strange movement around the Crossberry area just to contact us with any information and, and we can work from there then. And somebody on a day trip to West Cork had uh, their day ruined by the theft of a GoPro. Yes uh, unfortunately this uh, injured party was from Waterford and he was down in West Cork Travelling around West Cork for the day, he packed up his bike, his motorbike in Skibbereen between half one and half two and went for lunch. And unfortunately, when he came back and discovered it, the, the GoPro camera was missing from the handlebar on the bike. Now, I suppose what we're appealing for is people would have recognised this bike. It's a 201 brand new BMW bike, so the, the new 
motorbike vehicle gleam would have been on it and would have caught someone's eye. And we're just appealing to anyone that might have seen this bike parked on Main Street Skibbereen there and maybe seen people around it acting suspicious to contact the guard. Because it's a busy enough spot. It would be at this time of year, especially with a lot of um, tourists down around West Cork heading out to Baltimore, maybe come in and Skull area, come into Skibbereen to maybe do a bit of shopping and even people going for lunch on a Sunday morning or Sunday afternoon between half one and half two, it would have been particularly busy. So again, this bike might have caught someone's eye and they might have seen someone acting suspiciously or um, even even witnessed the crime and took no notice of it, but we're asking them to contact the Gardaí in Skibbereen. Okay, and the, you, the power of CCTV? Yeah, we look, we're constantly advocating CCTV to be used both in commercial premises and private premises. We had a number of other thefts around the division, uh, approximately five of them, and all of them have had suspects identified through CCTV. And it just goes to show that CCTV, when it is in operation and it is constantly service, it can lead, it can act as both a deterrent, but it can also help us solve crime. We had a consort stolen, for example, down in Riverstick last week, and the, CC, the CCTV in the house was so good that we were able to pick up the red number of the car. Brilliant. And we were able to detect that that person is before the courts now. So, you know, the, the CCTV, I know that we cover house alarms, and I know that 93% of burglaries that happen in houses happen in, in houses that don't have alarms in them. So it's the same for CCTV. It can act as a deterrent. And uh, I suppose, look, we're appealing for more people to consider installing them in their houses and their their commercial premises as well. OK, criminal damage, James? Yes, this happened on the 9th and 10th, again, last Friday and last Friday night, I suppose, between Friday night and Saturday morning in the Gortnacloughy area of Skibbereen. Uh, this is a kind of there was a building site there, and in that building site there was a pedestrian door. This was damaged, so obviously the person that damaged this was looking for to get access into the. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. 
That's stamps.com. Code program. Site. Now, luckily, there was no access gained, but there was a considerable amount of damage done to the door. We're appealing, number one, for witnesses to come forward if they saw anyone acting suspicious out in the curtain of the area of Skibreen there last Friday night, Saturday morning early. But also, just, just to briefly remind people there, look, I suppose ever since we came back into off restrictions in relation to building sites and so forth over the last two months, we've appealed, we've appealed to business owners to just be mindful of their security as well. And I know that COVID-19 and, I suppose, implementation of COVID-19 regulations have maybe taken over the mindset of a lot of people and maybe security has taken the back foot. But we're just asking people to be mindful in building sites of their, their tools, their large, um, their large machinery, to properly mark everything and to secure it at the weekends when they're going away and to maybe park a large vehicle in front of those um, gates so that no access can be gained easily. And um, I know we have had sites across the country that have been cleaned out with tools because the access was easily gained. So we're asking people to make that a bit more difficult. Yeah, and as we've often said on this programme as well, people need to stop and think if they're uh, offer them for sale or they're buying them somewhere and they're a knockdown price, you've got to question where they came from. And unfortunately, it has been pointed out to us that, you know, there is some people that create the market. Yeah, that people yeah. Are buying we it. need to end the trade. We, we need to end, end the, the trade. trade. If there's no market for stolen goods, there's, there's no, no market. There's no okay. market. We've been, we've been talking about the pubs not reopening next Monday and a lot of people are pointing to the reason for it is the number of house parties that have been uh, going on. Are you seeing a lot of house parties in your area? Look, there's, there's house parties going on around the country and we're, I suppose, we're appealing for people to take personal responsibility both as people that own the houses, be it parents or people that are renting the houses or people that are attending these parties. At the end of the day, we certainly don't want to go back to last March and April where we were with lockdown and restrictions and please God, that'll never happen. But uh, there's people have to take personal responsibility, Patricia, and I think that's a message that needs to get out there. That, like I know we at the GA back online and everyone's doing their best to put in the guidelines and so forth, but all the guidelines can only be as good as people taking the personal responsibility themselves, wearing the masks and washing their hands and staying the two-metre distance and so forth. And we're just appealing for people to be mindful of where they're going at the weekends and for people that are renting out houses, houses to be mindful of who they're renting them out to. Like a gang of 20 people going to a house over the course of a weekend can only lead to one thing. Yeah. And we just want people to be very mindful of that as well. A bit of cop on. Exactly. OK, uh, fraud. Unfortunately, there is a trend of late and we're seeing more and more fraud. Yes, um, I suppose we've seen it over the last couple of years. And I know that we have Detective Chief Superintendent Pat Lauren coming on there now shortly. But we, we've definitely seen it in West Cork with a number of people. Both individual and companies are, are getting caught. I suppose over the last week or two now, we've had a number of companies have been caught by this invoice redirect where it appears that they're paying a a normal standard invoice to an account and it turns out that the account is fraudulent. And like we have over the past two weeks, we have over €100,000 that have been paid into a fraudulent account. And we're appealing to companies. And I've done so myself through the Crime Prevention Office here in West Cork. And I know it's done nationally as well through the the Garda National Economic Crime Bureau and our own National Crime Prevention Office, that we're expressing and appealing to companies just to discuss with their own staff in relation to emails and monitor their emails and don't send cash to invoices unless they're 100% sure and get verbal confirmation that an email came from an invoice company and so forth like that. And even individuals are getting caught still in West Cork. Unfortunately, we had a couple of phone calls that came into West Cork there from an 051 number, uh, 
portraying to be from the Inland Revenue looking for credit card details and payments. Yeah, and it looked like it was coming from Waterford. We, we, we had a couple of calls in about that during the week as well. Yes, and I was aware I was listening to your show during the weekend. They're, they're ongoing. There's Irish Water, there's the banks, there's the credit cards, and I don't want to be taking from the next segment okay, here. Okay, so, oh yeah, so I'll, I'll pause you there and let me That's bring no in let me bring in uh, Detective Chief Superintendent Pat Lorden, who is with the Garda National Economic Crime uh, Bureau, and he joins me on the line from uh, Dublin. Thanks for that, James. Uh, good morning to you, Pat. Good morning, I, Patricia. How are you? I, I'm, I'm very well, and, and you're welcome to the programme. I suppose start by explaining to us the type of work that you do with the Garda National Economic Crime Bureau. Okay, so I did a little bit of history for you, Patricia, and the fraud spot apparently started way back in about 1939 at the start of World War II. It transformed itself into the Guard Bureau Fraud Investigation in 1995, and at that stage, uh, I was actually here as a detective guard in 1995. It changed its name again in 2016 to the Guard of National Economic Crime Bureau. But basically, the work it's been doing over those years has been the same. It investigates fraud, economic crime, corruption, cyber-enabled crime, fraud, scams, money laundering, terrorist financing, all of the above, anything to do with the movement of money or where they're trying to take your money, the criminals, uh, or, or James's money, and putting it to their own good use. And are you seeing an increase since, say, lockdown, since coronavirus reached our shores? Well, the figures I have in front of me show that fraud overall was down about 18% uh, there at a snapshot in time a couple of weeks ago. But online fraud was up approximately 77%. So the frauds that are down are, I suppose, the tapping in the shops, for example. Somebody steals your card and taps your, your... Shops were all closed, so there was none of that going on. So that's why the fraud was down in those areas. But online fraud was dramatically up. Uh, all of the online investment frauds, advanced fee frauds, as James said there earlier on, invites redirect are, are, are all substantially up. Well, money mules, explain what, what you mean by that term. None of these fraudsters would be very successful without the person what we call the money mule. And the money mule is the same as a drug mule in that they need somebody to transfer the money or to draw the money for them out of the banking system. So a perfect example, uh, and we've done a lot of work on the money mule area as a result of work we did with UCC in Cork uh, and, and IT in Cork a number of years ago. So we work with all of the colleges. There's about 39 campus watches around the country. So the money mules are primarily students. Two years ago, I would have told you that they were all students in third level education. But regrettably, some of them now are coming down the years and they're in their mid-teens and lower teens. Wow. Uh, and what they do is, they're contacted on Instagram or they get a link on Instagram how to make money easily. We need to use your account to transfer money from another country. A friend is in trouble or they spin a story and they tell the student or the young person in particular, you'll get some money for doing this. You'll get a couple of hundred euros. And I can tell you over the last number of weeks, we've had to arrest several of these young people. And it's quite a traumatic experience for the guardie to come into your house. These are genuine students working hard in college go for the option of an easy book and lo and behold the guards are knocking on the door and they end up getting arrested for money laundering and I can tell you you know it's a very very dangerous road to go down and some of them will be charged before the court some of them will be dealt with under the juvenile diversion program and it's not a very nice thing to have on your record if you end up absolutely, in court absolutely absolutely you know? and, and so a, a shock for your parents as well I heard um, a story recently somebody buying a Hoover down in, in, in West Cork on, on Dundee uh, they never got the Hoover so the money is transferred to account, but more than likely the money is transferred into a 
student's account somewhere in Ireland, could be Cork, Kerry or Donegal, and then that money is cashed out by that student and paid over to the criminal gang. And we might say that some of these amounts of money are only 70 or 80 euro. And that's all some of them are. But when you add up the number of successes that they have, mm. they can gather, gather up hundreds of thousands of euros in a number of weeks on these scams. And are you having any success tracking down those fraudsters? Yes, we're having quite a lot of success. So I can give you one example of success recently. We, we heard about it from one of the banks where they were sending out um, text messages that are very dangerous. And emails were what we were focusing on a couple of years ago, but now they're gone back to text messages. So you get a text message from your bank to say that your bank card has been compromised. You've been out shopping and somebody has got details of your card. The advice on the, on the text message was cut up your card in two pieces and post it to an address. However, if you needed to retain the same PIN number, which most of us would want to retain, you had to text back the PIN number to this number. So what was happening is the criminals were getting the card, your card sent back to the address, which oh was a private God. house, which should have raised the flag. Yeah. Um, now the criminal had your card. Which and your PIN. back together and your PIN. And they were Bingo. buying online, they were going shopping, they were cashing out all of your money. We had one person lost €20,000 in two or three days as a result of that. But we did a, a lot of work with the media and we identified a number of the addresses where these cards were being sent. We did a number of searches and a number of people were arrested. Um, on the bigger scale, we have a lot of organised crime groups coming in here from other countries and some of them living here as well. And we've, we've, we've convicted a gentleman there recently. Uh, he received two years for uh, trying to cash a draft for over half a million euros. But overall, it's quite difficult to get the guy who's put the ad up on the, on the websites. But we are, are having great success with the Money Mule. So point of warning to anybody out there who has used, is using, or is thinking of using their account for these people. You are, the, you are the guinea pig here. You are the gilly. We will always find you because we have your name, we have your address, we have your bank details, and we know that the money going to your account is from a fraud. And I'm afraid we will be knocking on your door. We need to and be we will so be careful. To you. Okay. And I know we would often uh, do interviews with the, the Banking Payments uh, Federation of Ireland, and they offer great words of advice on trying to keep us all uh, safe with our bank cards. Uh, you would work with them as well, I take it? We do. With the People in Banking Payments Federation of Ireland, we do a lot of work in the prevention area and trying to disrupt these criminal gangs. We would do a lot of advice, not only on the money mules, but on online websites where people are going buying at the moment, for example, camper vans, boats. A year ago, it was tractors and classic cars. It might be paddling pools next week. It might be something else the following week. And what we say to people is, is the website you're on real? How did you get into it? Did you come into it through a link that you got from Facebook or another social media? If it is, don't go in through that link. Search through a search engine. Get into the websites properly because some of the websites, the genuine owners of the websites cannot tell whether it's forged or not. That's how good some of the websites are at the moment. And the other question we have to ask is, you know, why would you send three or five thousand euros for a product online to somebody you've never met, you've yeah. never dealt with before? We're just too trusting of the Internet. Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's it. Exactly. Listen, uh, Pat, it was great to talk to you. And as I said, while well, you're based in Dublin, you're one of our own, I believe. I'm from West Cork, born and reared, so I'll always be from West Cork. I'm afraid. <laughs> I suppose the last message I would give is before you hit that button, whether it's an invoice you're paying, Patricia, or whether it's money you're sending, just think. Because oftentimes when we meet people, they say, 
I thought there was something wrong yeah. here, but I went to hell. I had my it. suspicions, yeah. I yeah. Had my Go suspicions. with your gut instinct. I'm if always saying that to people. It's true. It's it not is. true, I'm afraid. Absolutely. You will never see the product. Listen, pa- Pat, thank you for that. Thanks for thank joining us. That Bye-bye. is uh, Pat Lorden from the Garda National Economic Crime Bureau and our own James, I think, is still there as well. James, thank you for that. Yes, no problem. And uh, we'll, we'll speak again soon. Thanks for thank joining you, us. Uh, bye-bye. That is uh, James O'Donovan uh, joining us from uh, Bandon. 1850-333-103. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. This is Cork Today. Cork Today with Patricia Messenger on C103. mentioned earlier the Vintners Federation of Ireland have warned the publicans have been dealt a hammer blow by the decision to propose postpone plans to open uh, pubs Michael O'Donovan is with the Cork branch of the Vintners Federation and uh, Michael joins me good afternoon to you Michael good afternoon Patricia Uh, Michael I mentioned earlier that Padraig uh, Cribben of your chief executive of your association said that publicans are reeling from uh, the news how did you receive the news yesterday um, well, look, I suppose, uh, Patricia, the first thing to say is public health is of the utmost importance. So, like, for our customers, our staff and our families, um, we have to take public health very seriously. But in saying that, yesterday at quarter to six, when we got the news that we weren't progressing to phase four of the roadmap, it was very disappointing. And I suppose, look, especially for pubs that are, look, uh, West Cork, I suppose, East Cork, North Cork, um, that really depends on the tourist season, the Irish, the English people. Uh, like this year, we're told staycations, and um, but like the period up to, you know, what's traditionally the builders' holidays, the last uh, ten days, say of July, the first ten days of August, um, pubs now being closed. This is a major hammer blow to those pubs that depend on building up their cash reserves really in that period, so they can survive. September, October, November into December, they will get the boost of the week, you know, when people come home uh, for Christmas, but then they have to survive again January, February, March, because uh, really their season would start off again around Paddy's weekend. And for most of them, this will in effect be a year closed, barring that week at Christmas now. So it's a major hammer blow. There's not too many industries that could survive um, being closed uh, potentially for a year. And, with their, and having no cash margin built up to survive in that period. And already this morning, um, Michael, we're hearing from people who are quoting local, small, rural pubs uh, whose owners have decided that they'll, they'll, ju- they'll just never reopen again. Yeah, look, I've spoken to one or two this morning. I, look, I, I understand their frustration. Look, we're very frustrated with it and I understand their decision. But as I've been asking some of them to look, think about it for a while because look, you're well aware the pub is the heart of most of the communities that we have here in Cork. And like, be it fundraisers, be it social nights out, it all happens really in either the local community centre or the pub. And like for lots of uh, communities around uh, rural Ireland, the, the pub is the only uh, community area that they have to go. So like if we start losing the pubs, um, the trip advisor have been well uh, advising that tourists say to them the number one reason they come to Ireland is for the they pub. Want to go 
is go to the pub. They want, yeah, to, yeah. they want to have a bite to eat. And like at the bottom line, this is going to cost jobs in in local communities if these pubs don't open. And um, the local farmer that grows the grain for the beer, like I'm always a big believer in the you know the weave the, the circle of life. So like if the pub closes down, it will have a knock on effect on others. So like um, this this news that came yesterday evening was a, was a hammer blow to a lot because as I said, there when they if like when we get to open hopefully on August the tenth, for a lot of people the summer holidays, the vacations will be over a week later because most people start going back home to get the kids ready for school, be it the twenty fourth, twenty fifth, twenty sixth, whenever the schools reopen. So like a lot of publicans have been saying, will it be worth it just open for that week? You know, we might as well wait, uh, maybe longer, but hopefully, look, they will and try and get open and get trading for some period. But as I said, this is a major hammer blow to our... Uh, and and, and our also, uh, Michael, when the decision was final, even though it had been rumoured uh, for the last couple of days, but was it a bit late in the day as well to be saying to people on a Wednesday when most people were expecting to open up on Monday, sorry, yeah. guys, you have to wait another three weeks? Yeah, well, look, uh, Patricia, we had been very vocal in the previous two weeks that we needed the guidelines. Like, for me, myself, personally, I can say, like, yesterday was my cut-off point at one o'clock to place my orders for both Heineken and Diageo, who would have been two of our biggest suppliers. My delivery day would have been this morning. So, like, I had to take the decision yesterday um, not to order Heineken or, or, you know, the Heineken products or the Diageo products. So even if the decision came at six o'clock yesterday, it's too late to, to to say you know you can open next Monday. Lots like lots of my colleagues were in the same scenario. We were too late to order, so we would have had to wait until next Wednesday. And then we have scenarios like I've been dealing with publicans and some of the companies this morning. They had to place their orders and got their deliveries Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday ahead of opening next uh, Monday. And now now they have stock in their premises. So, like, we've been in no uncertain terms telling the politicians that, number one, this decision, even last Monday, was too late. So doing it on Wednesday was treating us really as second-class citizens. And for an industry, 60% of the pubs across Ireland, and Cork here is no different, are closed at the moment. Uh, we employ, you know, the, the, that 60% accounts for about 30,000 jobs. And to treat us this way is, is like, it's very hurtful, to be quite honest, the way that we've been treated and all of this. OK, and allowing that everything goes according to plan and you will open on the 10th of August, are you still waiting on guidelines? Absolutely. Like, I suppose, look, uh, we have to deal with our members now, uh, firstly and foremostly today and, I suppose, tomorrow. But I suppose come Monday, we'll have, like we will be on to department heads, which, which I can tell you we are today as well. But I suppose for Monday, it'll in earth, uh, really start again. We will have a battle, I think, on our hands to get these guidelines off the Department of Health um, to try and uh, give us some clarity in what we must do uh, to our pubs. Because, look, I'm no different than any other publican. We've painted the pub, we've put in floors, we've done new toilets. But like we still need to know what we need to do to finish the job in order to get ready to open. And like it's very frustrating it has been for the last two and a half weeks waiting for these guidelines. And like we're still waiting. And hopefully, please God, uh, the department will give us these guidelines next week so we can start the preparations for August the 10th. Because we don't want a scenario where we get to say the Tuesday, August 4th of the bank holiday weekend, and we're in the same scenario again shouting for the guidelines, waiting, and like pubs again will have to make the decisions 
will they order stock, won't they order stock, what will happen. So we need these guidelines like in, in the next couple of days. Yeah, yeah. So that yeah. you can get you can get working on it. And you, and you will lose out on the bank holiday weekend. Yeah, look, as I've said, uh, Patricia, look, the, for the vast majority of our pubs, uh, 60% of them are closed. Like that August weekend, like it's traditionally the busiest, you know, weekend for a lot of places and um, where people are travelling to the coast to enjoy themselves. And like to be closed that weekend is like just the loss of it is just huge. It, it, it can't be replaced um, uh, for the for the rest of the, the you know, the year it's just gone and that's it that's it yeah yeah alright like, listen I, I appreciate you um, taking time out to talk to us because I know you're, you're heading to uh, you're heading to Kerry I believe yes we're just going to take a few days break now okay. been, the last couple of weeks have been busy doing media and uh, you deserve that you deserve that so. and, and you've been most accommodating um, I, whenever we, we, we look for you so we really appreciate that enjoy your staycation in Kerry and, and it looks like you've got good weather the weather's the weather's picking up a bit Hopefully, hopefully it will Sun be. Sun will shine. Okay. Get listen. away for a couple of days. Stay safe. Thanks a million, Thank Michael. You. Bye-bye. That is uh, Michael O'Donovan of the Cork branch of the Vintners uh, Federation speaking on behalf of a lot of his members. Absolutely gutted with the news that they can't reopen next uh, Monday. Someone was saying when we mentioned about the publicans earlier and someone made the point you're at and they all on the COVID-19 payments and they're doing okay. Well, a listener says, with regard to the comment about the vintners drawing the COVID-19 uh, payment, can I tell you that that's not 100% correct? My aunt runs her own pub. She's over 70. She doesn't, by the way, have a pension and she's not entitled to the COVID-19 uh, payment. So tell me, please, what is she expected to live on? She's single, she lives alone, she's no income and now she's no company because the pub has closed and obviously it's been over seven, she's, she'd been cocooning as well. What a sad uh, life for her. Says so somebody texting 86 103. and there is also still a lot of comments coming in about face masks and should we be wearing face masks when well, other face masks are mandatory and I'm asking people when you're out and about keep a lookout and let us know are you spotting a lot more people abiding by what the Taoiseach said yesterday that all of us should be wearing face masks when we are in retail out in supermarkets or in uh, shopping uh, centres some commentary on that Mary is in Canturk says uh, this was earlier this morning so I'm waiting to go into the doctor's surgery there's five of us waiting in the doctor's yard to go in and only one with the face mask on. Now, I don't know if Mary was the one wearing the face mask and the other four were not or she was one of the ones not wearing it. But that's heading into a doctor's surgery and you would have assumed that everybody going to a doctor's surgery at this stage will be wearing some kind of a face covering. And then we had... Thank you for that, Mary in Kentucky. We had another Mary who was giving out about people who've been contacting us saying they're going to go to their doctor to get a letter to explain why they can't wear a face mask. And there are people with medical conditions that uh, it's not comfortable for them to wear them from a health point of view. It mightn't be the healthiest thing to do. And the people are saying they're going to go to their doctors and they're going to get a uh, letter. People are reacting to that. Uh, that woman is, oh yes, sorry. So Mary, one of our listeners was making the point, if there are people there who say they can't wear face masks, Mary said they should stay at home. Just don't go out, stay at home. Let other people do your shopping uh, for you. That lady is right about people wearing face masks. If you don't want or feel you can't wear one, then those people should stay at home. Some just don't want to be told what to do. There's an element of bravado, according to this text texter. Masks do protect the person themselves. Why else 
would nurses wear them when going into isolation situations? The suggestion was put out at the start that masks don't protect the wearer they just protect the other people. This is Nafiz. The reason that was done was they wanted to keep them for the medical PPE gear and there was a shortage at the time early on in the epidemic or pandemic and therefore now there's lots of and of course when, when we're told to wear face masks they're telling people you don't have to get the medical ones. They're saying to people any kind of a facial covering will do and of course we've got lots of fantastic people who are brilliant with a needle and thread in a sewing machine and who are making their own as well and now they're so easy I think every shop you go into now you're nearly able to buy face masks that wasn't the way it was certainly at the start of the pandemic Hi Patricia uh, Marty here I'm asthmatic I was asked yesterday do I mind wearing a mask because I also work in a hospital and I said I want to keep breathing and living. So even with asthma Marty is still wearing the mask. The other Mary who who said that people should be wearing is uh, full of silly knowledge. It's very hard says this Mary to wear a mask if you're suffering from chronic asthma or COPD. Uh, So I say try to learn a bit more before you open your beak Mary says a texter not happy with that. Hi Tricia my son is asthmatic. He works in a super value. It would be impossible for him to wear a mask for uh, eight hours because we're told that the shop assistants retail staff must wear face covering if they cannot keep a distance of two metres from other customers or if they're in the absence of a petition. So it'll be I would say to your son needs to talk to his employer to see what's the way around that if you feel he can't wear a mask while doing an eight hour uh, shift. And somebody else says, I have my balaclava. I've dusted down and I'll be wearing that into the shop. And if they don't like it tough, well, a balaclava is fine. When we're, when we're talking about face masks, doesn't have to be the surgical one. Actually, they're telling us they shouldn't be the medical ones. Any kind of a face covering and absolutely a bandana will be spot on. Patricia, I totally agree. If you can't wear masks, then you should be staying away from the general public. It only takes one person infected to start spreading the virus again. If everyone is not on board, we may as well not bother, says this uh, listener. So there are, are there's a there's, there's divided view on, on that. There are people saying if you can't wear a face mask, then you shouldn't be out. Hi, Patricia. When you're talking about face masks, will you have to wear face masks for gyms, going into churches or all indoor uh, venues? It's all very confusing at the moment. Well, I heard the Taoiseach last night I heard Miguel Martin speak about the face masks and he in particular said shops uh, retail premises and shopping centres because I have my other half is a big gym goer and he was he was he was actually in the gym when the press conference was on and he was saying he would find it very difficult in a gym to work out and wear face masks. So gyms certainly wasn't mentioned and churches wasn't mentioned and other indoor venues. They Miguel Martin specifically yesterday mentioned shops and shopping centres and and also went on to talk about retail staff but it was retail but it didn't cover gyms or or churches. Now you know already in hairdressing and in beauticians they're all asked already they're all indoor indoor places and they're already asked they're already wearing uh, the masks. 1850 Let me look at some other of your texts coming in. John says, Patricia, if anybody thinks that schools are going to reopen at the end of the month, must now be very re- must now be.
be really worried when you look at the restrictions and they're now stating there's a limit of 10 people who can be any house at any one ta- time. If this is in place after the 10th of August, then surely not one school will be open will be able to reopen. In relation to colleges, some of them are now demanding payment for accommodation, even though at best they'll only be there for one quarter of the entire course on campus, says John's putting a lot of strain and a lot of pressure on families uh, for sure. On the schools issue though, John, I mean it's one of the reasons that they say they're not opening the pubs, they're not moving on with the next stage of the reopening of our of Ireland is because they want to make sure that schools can reopen in September. But you're right, if we are where we are now, come end of August, September, then yeah, you couldn't, I, I don't think you could see any uh, schools reopen uh, for sure. And someone else, this was on the COVID-19 test when I mentioned I, I had, had to have one last week. Somebody says, Patricia, COVID-19, the test, nothing to worry about. If you work in a nursing home, you have to have it done every week. So uh, some people in nursing homes are certainly getting very used to having that test done. Uh, to people who uh, want to get a letter from the doctor to say that they can't wear a mask, just to let people know, if you do go to a doctor, the letter will cost you €25. Euro. How dare that woman, Mary, dictate to those of us and tell us to stay at home, those of us who can't wear masks. I suffer from COPD. I actually have to go around with an oxygen tube. So no, I can't wear a mask. Patricia, you're getting texts in there. Will those people ever get a life? Not everyone goes to a pub. There are people who enjoy an odd tipple, a little drink at home. We don't all have to go to parties. As for the masks, it's all scaremongering. What we can't have the virus take over our lives. We have to learn to uh, live with it, and that's uh, that is for sure. Uh, we do. Eighteen fifty three 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 one zero three. And thank you to some people who've been on about their hairdressers. I had my hair coloured, washed, and blow dried for sixty euro. They only inc- they only increased their prices by a fiver. Brilliant service. All of the regulations were adhered to. And that's from a listener in the McCroom area. And someone else is saying it's only those that are very greedy that are upping their prices. I wasn't charged anything extra from my hairdresser either. So there's a lot of very decent kind hairdressers uh, out there. I can see pet questions coming in for Jane. Can you keep those coming please? 1850 333 103. And let me go to some emails to Patricia at C103.ie. Uh, Kasha says, should pregnant women be allowed to use the parent and child car parking spots? I've noticed a lot of people are parking in those spots and they don't have children with them at the moment. The reason I'm asking, says Kasha, is I'm six months pregnant and I'd love to park closer as I'm getting heavier every day. Oh, bless your cotton socks. I 100% could see no reason with a pregnant mum pulling up to one of those you know, the mother and toddler or the mother and children. And I don't think anyone would say absolutely anything to you. I've actually seen lots of people as well parking in the spaces. And I think the reason for it is there's very few children, there's very few parents now going to the supermarket with children. So I think for that reason, lots of people are using the, those bays that are closest to the door. But absolutely, I, I take it a lot of people would agree with me. If you saw a heavily pregnant woman pulling into a parent and child car, car parking space I couldn't see anyone saying a word to that lady would others agree with that 1850 333 103 and thank you to Margaret says hi Patricia lovely to hear you back on air and feeling better again 
have gone through much the same as you mentioned about carers burnout over the last four months and like you I also hit a wall I'm much better now as I actually sought help it's a shame that the disability services are still being ignored look after yourself and your family especially your daughter Marcia. please God we will all see a return to their services soon as all the people who avail of them are regressing please if anyone with the power to highlight this is listening can they please do so we need help to get these services back up and running and I know it's something we're going to be focusing on on the programme um, and certainly and we have there are certainly politicians are going to be raising it at all level uh, as well and something has to happen we're reopening the country and yet now four months on all of our disability uh, services still remain uh, closed we need those services back up and running ASAP 1850 John Paul and Sadie are taking your calls you can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103 The C103 Cork Diary With Cork County Council Supporting businesses Supporting communities Serving Cork Visit CorkCoco.ie the Fota Plant and Garden Fair is taking place on Saturday the 25th and Sunday the 26th of July from 11am to 4pm on both days. Now the event is normally well attended and this year it's one of the first relatively sizeable events taking place here in the Cork region since the easing of uh, restrictions. And the Jack and Jill Children's Foundation, they're appealing for donations to enable them to continue with their support for families. Please donate €4 Euro by texting the words WE CARE to 50300 or if you'd like to give more you can by going to their website which is www.jackandjill.ie Record today on C103 Call Patricia with your comment 1850 333 103 And thanks to Phyllis who says lovely to hear uh, Pat Lorden Pat was the Detective Chief Superintendent of the Garda National Economic Crime Bureau bit of a mouthful lovely to hear him on the programme earlier says Phyllis he was so interesting he's a credit to his late parents and family uh, I hope hoping the day will come when we'll see him as a Garda Commissioner says uh, Phyllis because I discovered that while Pat Lorden when when he joined us uh, was obviously joining me from Dublin that's where the National Economic Crime Bureau is based but he's actually a native of uh, Drimalique so uh, I'm assuming he still has family there as well thank you uh, Phyllis for that the R number is going up says John it's gone from under 1 it's now between 1.5 and 1.8 most news ca- most new cases are in those under the age of 40 it's obvious now that the surge is on the way people need to wake up and people need to listen and to heed the message. Well, Catherine in Domamwe joins me with what I think is an interesting point as to why maybe the message isn't getting through to the younger generation. Good afternoon to you, Catherine. Good evening, how uh, are you? I'm very well. You, you're raising an interesting point about the, end, the daily briefings. We used to have them every evening and now they're only on twice a week. Yeah. Um, I must say, it's, it's start, I'm not politically minded by any stretch of the imagination and wouldn't have um, voted for Leo Bradford or any of the Bengal at the time. Yeah. But I must say, from the night that he came on the television coming up to St. Patrick's Day, it was the most moving speech, but he embraced the nation. He said, we're all in it together, and we're, what we're going to do, he's not going to be popular for it, and, and it worked. He had our attention. And I felt that every evening, young and old, at half past five, were coming in the door going, what are the figures like? Yeah. How many in the ICU? Every month. And that was every evening. I felt... While we were watching it, I work in a hospital myself, and when I was come home in the evening, I was be looking at Leo Vadka's hair getting long and Simon Harris, 
And I felt, yeah, we're all in together. They can't get their haircut. They can't go out and enjoy themselves. They, you know, but they were giving up their time. They were on every evening, every evening, no day off. Every single evening. Along then, with poor Tony Houlihan and little did we know what was going on in his household at the time. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's what he, and he put his family in second place for our nation. He did. Yeah. 100%. Um, I felt then that there was a change in government and I was kind of, I was a little bit saying, God, I don't know, are they going to treat, you know, are they going to keep us in the fold is what I was worried about because I felt when we were in the fold and like everything that's not allowed, we drive it underground if, if we can't, you know, especially with youngsters and parties and all of us, we all need social, you know, attachments and stuff. Anyway, the, the new Taoiseach was elected and lo and behold, the briefing stopped. Even though I think, Last, I, I think now in fairness to Hall Martin, I don't think he stopped those. I think they stopped. No, I don't think he did. No, I don't think, I don't think he did. But yeah. he did stop, regardless of who, or the blame game or such. I felt then that all last week, that, and I did actually vote for Sinn Féin in the last election. Okay. I will never again vote. I just feel that Mary Lou is there every evening, tearing holes out of everything. We have given 10 days now ranting about your man, the Cowan fella. And Barry the Cowan. Duncan yeah. All last week. It was the headlines. I felt that it was just absolutely awful. This is what we were doing. And my father, Lord Merson, would always say, deal with the problem at hand. And your two friends will always show when you're in a crisis. I felt we haven't heard anything from the horse's mouth, so to speak, every evening. We had we had the updates. Here we are now arguing about a fella that got caught for drunken driving four years. Now he's sacked. Now they want clarification. Did Michal Martin learn anything from it? And yet, the yeah, yeah, I, I, it was almost like I, I, and I know the point you're making. It was almost like, have they forgotten that we're living in the middle of a pandemic while yeah, they're arguing the, about this? Yeah, but 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 and your but your original point is a good one. Go back to the daily press briefings, even if they don't have a lot on the figures, it just keeps everybody informed. It kept people in the fold, and young and old, yeah. young and old. You know, I just felt we knew how many was in the ICU. I'm working in a hospital setting here in Dumanme Hospital, and they're the most most. I, I couldn't praise them enough. We have a fabulous director of nursing here, Kerry Burchill, and our sidekick, Siobhan. The two of them, they've kept us in the fold. We've had briefings at work. We're kept up to date. Every single one of us, we're, we're all kept in the fold. There's no secrets. What's up? We're tested. We were tested now this morning. We're tested once a week. Mm. We're doing everything that's asked of us. And are you but managing to keep COVID out? Is that your big we're, dread? We're COVID free. Well we're done. COVID-free. Well done. Yeah. But it's it's a real fear, as, isn't absolutely. it? It's a real it's fear huge. factor, yeah. It's, it's huge. But I do feel that, speaking from a small unit in the Manway Community Hospital, keeping everybody in the fold, be it the chefs in the kitchen, down to the cleaners, everyone plays a role. And I feel that our briefings in the hospital were a bit like the, the nationwide ones in the evening with Tony Houlihan. And even poor Tony Houlihan, when, when the news came out about his wife, Someone, you know, was on Facebook giving out about the, the you know, the cervical cancer thing, you know, and can, like empathy. I did like it there when all everyone was doing, you know, they were doing um, meals on wheels. They were going around delivering. Like, it's that starting to lose its shape a bit. And I do honestly believe that we're on the second surge. I do believe that at the moment. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. I do. I do, really. Um and I think we need to keep on top of But we need leadership. We need them three people on the, on the television in the evening keeping it. That's the only way it's going to work. 
Okay, all right, and um, we'll put it out there. I, I, I wonder how others. I, I think a lot of people will agree with you. Go back to the daily press briefings, and yeah, I know I think at the time Nefesh was saying, "Oh, should we? There isn't that much change in the numbers." But uh, even and even if it's the numbers are low, it just keeps, as you say, just keeps well, people it informed. Morale, then yeah, as well. Yeah, that yeah. we're winning something, do you know. Uh, but like, keep yourself in the cold. Everyone, it's a case that he said, she said, we said, he said. Who said? I know. Whereas if we had it from the horse's mouth every evening and I just think they were absolutely amazing and I just think that's what we're lacking at the moment because we're all um, we're all of a different opinion but I, I to be honest I personally felt very safe with the three of them okay. every evening keeping us going. Alright listen all. stay safe in Dunmanway and hide to the gang at the hospital and thanks for joining <laughs> us Kat. Mind yourself <laughs> you. look after yourself 1850 and in fairness to all of the people in community hospitals and nursing homes they're, they're being tested for COVID-19 every single week they have to go through that uh, test uh, procedure and uh, Eleanor said I was at a car boot sale last Sunday the place was full of people there was at least 400 people there now everything was fine with social distancing but I felt there was too many people at the one event shouldn't have that under the rules and regulations there shouldn't be that many people even at an outdoor uh, event Eleanor accepts it was policed well um, she'll give the organisers that but she just felt too many people gathered together and we were still at 200 people aren't we at an outdoor event uh, technically that is breaching the rules and uh, regulations um, 1850 uh, 333103 John Paul and Sadie are taking your calls text or WhatsApp 0862 103103 Court today on C103 text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment 0862103103 and Jane Pickett of the Island Wood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group uh, joining me by phone uh, good afternoon to you Jane Hi there how are you uh, doing? I'm doing very well let's get straight into questions because there's a lot of questions in I don't know if we'll get to all of them but let's get to some of them um, a texter in saying hi I have a nine year old female Jack Russell four kgs healthy in every way thank God and has a great diet. Unfortunately, about a week and a half ago, she must have hurt her back, left leg or hip. She is an indoor dog, so I don't recall seeing her hurt herself, but maybe she slipped off the couch when she was trying to look out the window to see what was going on uh, outside. Now, she's still able to run to the door, but she yields to it every now and again and she'll limp when she's walking. Is it a strain or a pulled muscle, please? I'm worried about her. What would you suggest? Yeah, I think it's understandable that our listener is a little bit worried. Um, it's great that she's a young and otherwise healthy dog but I think if that lameness is more than let's say just for two or three minutes and it's continuing on into this week I'd be a little bit concerned it could and it's most likely just something simple like a sprain or a strain um, like like ourselves they can overdo it sometimes and if there's a lot of jumping up and down off the couch as you say to have a good look outside of the goings on then that could pro- cause problems if we just landed a little bit wrong on the leg However, there are some more serious things, um, mainly involving, let's say, the hip joint itself, but also the knee joint um, that would need dealing with and would need treatment. So I think regardless, if the signs have lingered on for a few days and your dog is a little bit sore, the best thing to do is to contact your vet for an appointment. When we see a dog with a lame leg, we can do um, a really thorough physical exam of the leg. And a lot of the time, they'll give us clues as to which part is hurting. They'll have a little look around and wonder what we're doing at the point at which they're a little bit sore. Um, your vet may need to take it further to do other tests like x-ray for example but they'll be the best judge of that every patient is a little bit different it might just 
just be something simple. So I think to, to allay any worries and put your mind at rest, visit, visit your vet for an appointment. OK, hi Jane. Would you be able to help my 10-year-old Shih Tzu? It coughs after drinking her water. Now she does gulp the water down uh, a lot. Other than that, she's full of life, eating well, uh, is healthy. But just after drinking water has a tendency to cough. Could it be because of the way she gulps down the water? It could indeed. Um, I think in a lot of these cases, if she's otherwise healthy and she's always done this and she's always kind of gulped the water down and then had a little bit of a cough afterwards, it might be like us just swallowing something and a little bit of water going down the wrong way, um, particularly if they do have a big gulp all of a sudden. Now, the one thing I would say is if you notice coughing at any other time, then it's definitely a cause of concern. Or likewise, if this is a change for her, so she never used to do this before, but now she does, then it's worth looking into. Might just be something simple, might just be a little bit of water going down the wrong way and might be nothing to be concerned about. But if there's any any signs at any other times of the day or any other signs of illness, then I'd contact your vet. And again, if it is a change for her and she wouldn't normally do that, or indeed if she's drinking more water and that's why she's gulping, if you've noticed she's drinking more water, water and that's a sign that needs to be attended to too so I think best to get it checked out. Okay Margaret uh, hi question for Jane your vet please is there anything I can do to prevent my pup being stolen? The pup is microchipped is in the house at night full of life very active it's not fair though uh, to keep the dog indoors especially when we are away God it's mm. such a concern for people isn't it? It really is at the moment like the Wild West it's a little bit terrifying what's going on so I think you're right to be concerned and really really well done for this listener getting their dog microchipped I think to everybody out there if your dog isn't microchipped make sure it is take it to your vet it's a very simple procedure give them a call book an appointment and we can get them registered because then if your dog does get stolen or God forbid goes missing it'll present somewhere at some point to a vet or a member of the guardy and we will scan it for a chip and that is the quickest surest way to get it home to you if there is no chip the chances are really really low so I think that's the one thing I would say well done to our listener but if there's any other listeners out there that haven't got a chipped dog or cat get them into your vet and get that sorted um, taking of animals at the moment is a really big problem um, the main things I would say are try and keep them secure and supervised and our listener sounds like they're doing that mm. um, I totally empathise with their concern about keeping them inside and it not being fair leaving them outside I think it really depends on your situation if you have a secure area that's not within sight of the road um, that would be very secure very difficult to get into or even a run that can be locked would be an ideal situation. Ideally, you want something that people people just can't get into. I certainly wouldn't leave them outside unattended anywhere where they can be seen actively on the property from outside. Yeah, um, I think and keeping him, keeping the dog in at night is just doing oh, the right thing 100%, there. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. I think if you can keep them in and keep them supervised, that is the best. Otherwise, I would say locked runs are really good if you have to have them alone for a period of time with short periods and lots of checking um, to make sure they're doing okay. Definitely an overnight, nice and secure I think particularly as well if you're out and about and your dog doesn't have perfect recall to his or her name, um, it's best to keep them on a lead at the moment because we don't want them running off and falling into the wrong hands. Okay. Uh, hi, um, I have a female cat. It sounds feral because she's the listener says very hard to catch or hold. Is there anything I can give her orally to prevent her having kittens? Something perhaps I could put into her food? There's not, unfortunately. Wish that there was, I'd say, and yeah. a lot of people would. Oh, if there was a solution like that, our lives would be very easy. <laughs> but unfortunately, no. I think well done to our listener for trying to control the cat population. I think it's really wise to consider this. We have enough, let's say, 
feral kittens hanging around in this country and, and adding to that problem is probably not the best idea. Unfortunately, there's nothing we can put in the food. The best thing to do is contact your local vet. Um, there are actually charities out and about that do trap and release for feral, feral cats. If you could manage to train this little cat, it's very difficult to catch or hold, to eat near or inside a cat box. So if they'll come for food every day, um, you can gradually get them more used to, let's say, a cat box or a or a cat trap as it were um, so that you may be able to transport them if generally as vets as long as we're forewarned that a cat is impossible to handle or is feral we have we, we have ways and means of managing that to allay the risk um, so that we will be able to do to do the operation so to, to space or to remove the womb and the ovaries so that they, they can't get pregnant and that would be the best option in this case so have a chat to your local vet about um, the procedures that they take there may be charities in your local area that are very used to working with feral cats to do trap and release schemes so um, your local vet will know best what's available in your area um, but if you ha- have to do it alone some guidance from your local vet as to how to get them used to let's say a transport or a cat cage uh, beforehand is really really helpful yeah, and Actually there's somebody else just very briefly has a problem with a feral cat uh, Tom is a feral cat who is chasing off his cats uh, I'm afraid my cat won't come back one day he's constantly crying I fed him and I was trying to get into the house all the time he's oh. a lovely cat but the problem is I have two cats already and they're afraid of him what yeah. to do that's really really tough um, try and keep your own cat safe make sure they have access to the indoors somewhere really safe for them um, at all times but I think stop feeding the other cat and don't feed your own cats outside make sure it's inside and that you know there's no kind of temptation if they have a cat flap sometimes you can get microchipped cat flaps so that the feral cat won't be able to get in and you could you could put a microchip in each of your own cats so that they only they have access I think the main things are just take away any resources from outside have all of the resources for the cats like uh, litter food water inside the house and secure so that there's less kind of incentive for that cat to stay around Okay, all right, we leave it there. Listen, Jane, have a great week and we'll talk to you next week. Thank you. Thanks for joining us, uh, Jane Pickett of the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in uh, Newmarket. And uh, before we go, just quickly, uh, William Infamoy says, uh, Hi, uh, Patricia, I totally agree with the lady you had on your programme. That was Catherine, wasn't it, who was making the point, Catherine Dramamoy, who was making a point about the press briefings. Now, the press briefings have all uh, disappeared and why don't we have them uh, every day? Uh, totally agree with her. And also, says William, I feel I've lost faith in the government over the past few weeks. Firstly, we had the Barry Cowan incident and now I feel they're not handling the COVID-19 situation very well. I think Micheál Martin is a lovely, nice man, but I find people don't have the same level of respect for him and members of his party. People just can't take him seriously. And I, to be honest, says William, have lost all faith in him. I would have supported him over the years. I never thought I'd see the day when I would say I'd like to see Leo back in power. Mask usage, by the way, is very low out and about in shops at the moment. And that's from William in uh, for Moy. OK, and thank you. There's a lot of texts that we didn't get to. My apologies. We will read all of those texts and we'll try and synopsize them and get to some of them tomorrow on the programme. But thank you to everyone. We've had a busy, busy programme uh, today. Good for my first one uh, back. So we appreciate all your calls and texts. Thanks to Sadie and John Paul. Nick Richards is with you for the afternoon and we will be back with you at 10 o'clock tomorrow. And of course, the email is all always there if you want to email us when we're not around patricia at c103.ie until tomorrow at 10 stay safe normally being a little extra can be a bit much but when it comes to health care it pays to be extra 
And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 